Chapter Ten of Frank Merriwell at Yale for Freshman Against Freshman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Frank Merriwell at Yale or Freshman Against Freshman by Bert L. Standish. Chapter Ten at Maury's. Say, fellows, this thing must stop. Puss Parker banged his fist down upon the table as he made this emphatic declaration, the blow causing the partly emptied glass of ale to dance and vibrate. "'I say,' yawned Willis, pawdling, "'you want to be a little careful, or you will slop the good stuff, don't you know?' Willis affected a drawl, had his clothes made in London, and considered himself deucedly English, although he sometimes forgot himself for a short time and dropped his mannerisms. Tad Horner gave Paulding a look of scorn. Come off your perch, Paul, he invited. You give me severe pains. Get on to yourself. I don't wonder Parker is excited over this matter. Who wouldn't be excited, exclaimed Puss. These confounded freshmen have overthrown all the established customs of the college. They have been running things with a high hand. Why, they have really been cocks of the walk ever since that little affair out at East Rock. Shh caution punch swallows a lad with fiery red hair don't speak of that for the love of goodness just think of a gang of softs being captured by freshmen disguised as indians taken out into the country tied to stakes and nearly roasted while the freshmen danced a gleeful can-can around them it's awful the mere thought of it gives me nervous prostration it was two weeks after the duel and the five sophomores had gathered in the little back room at maury's they looked at each other and were silent, but their silence was very suggestive. "'By Jove,' drawled Paulding, "'it is awful. I wasn't in the crowd. If I had been, you'd been roasted like the rest of us,' cut in Parker. "'But I'd make it warm for some of the blooming cads.' "'Haven't we been doing our level best to make it warm for them?' cried Horner. "'But no matter what we do, they see us and go us one better.' "'It all comes from Merriwell,' asserted Swallows. He's king of the freshmen, the same as Browning is king of the sophomores. And he's a terror, nodded Horner. He can put up more jokes than one. And they say he can fight. They say, why, didn't you see him do Diamond, the fresh from Virginia? Oh, no, I remember you were not with us that night. Yes, he can fight, and he doesn't seem to be easily scared. I think he is a blasted upstart, said Paulding, lazily puffing at his cigarette. He needs to be called down, don't you know? Some time when he is upstairs, call him down, suggested Horner. Fists are not the only things that fellows can fight with, said Parker. The matter has been kept quiet, but it is said to be a fact that Diamond forced him into a duel with rapiers, and he disarmed the southerner twice, having him completely at his mercy each time. And Diamond prides himself on being an expert with that kind of weapon, nodded Horner. Why doesn't Browning do something? asked Paulding. It is outrageous for a lot of freshies to run things this way. Browning is in training, said Parker. In training? What for? Why, he is so lazy. He's training to get some of the flesh off of him. It is my opinion that someone must check Merriwell's wild career, and he is getting in condition to do it. You know that Browning was one of the hardest men who ever entered Yale. He is a natural athlete, but he's lazy and he's allowed himself to become soft. Why, he knocked out Kid LaJoy, the professional, in a hard-glove contest of three rounds. 
the joy was easy fruit for him i fancy he means to go up against this fresh duck merriwell and do him that's the only thing that will pull merriwell off his perch he doesn't mind being hazed doesn't mind it shouted horner confound him he always manages to turn the tables in some way and hazes the parties who try to haze him two youths came in from the front room hey browning hello king come join us you too emery to the other fellow what do you have browning browning accepted a seat at the table but waved his hand languidly as he declined to drink i'm not taking anything now he said oh but you must have some ale old man excuse me gentlemen i tell you squarely that i'm not taking anything just now by and by i will be with you again emery will go you one that's what he came in for that's right declared browning's companion i was out stargazing last night looked at the long-handled dipper a long time and it gave me an awful thirst i've had it with me all day yes mine's ale so another round was ordered horner passed around the cigarettes and browning declined them the others lighted up fresh ones say broke out emery suddenly do you know that fresh ditson gives me that tired feeling tad horner grinned he's no good said tad he is crooked and he's a toucher touched me for a five once and i'm looking for that fiver yet that was two years ago before i came here i knew him then he tried to touch us for a drink as we came along said browning i took him in here once but i've been sorry ever since he said that he had his thirst with him just now i told him to go sit on the fence and let the wind blow him off and he is a big bluff asserted emery the other day he was telling us how he once sat at the table with kings and queens i told him that i had and with jacks and ten spots here comes the amber my i won't do a thing to it the waiter placed the glasses of ale before them and emery eagerly grasped his here's more to-morrow was his toast and he seemed to toss it off at a single swallow by jove drawled paulding you must be thirsty i am have been all day as i said before it was hard stuff last night and we went the rounds my head needed hooping when i arose from my downy couch this morning well you shouldn't have gotten intoxicated in the first place said parker i didn't it was in the last place if i had gone home before we struck that joint i'd been all right wow whooped tad horner you seem full of em oh i am i've been eating nothing but red pepper lately and i'm hot stuff let's have another one all round more ale was ordered your neck must be dry enough to squeak old man said parker addressing browning it doesn't seem natural for you to go thirsty won't you have just one not one smiled bruce lazily i've got too much flesh on me now and i'm trying to get some of it off going to try for the football team or what nothing of that sort but i have a reason we know you do sure what is it you're laying for merriwell and you mean to do him i'm right am i not the king of the sophomores smiled in a lazy way but did not reply that settles it laughed parker i knew i was right well somebody must curry that young colt down and it must be done right away browning showed sudden animation he looked around at the faces of his companions and then said this crowd is straight and i'm going to make a few remarks right here and now i feel just like it drive ahead go on we are listening i'm not inclined to talk this matter over publicly said bruce but i will say that the time is ripe 
to get after these confounded freshmen and we must do it i want to tell you what i found this morning open wide your ears and listen to this his companions were quite prepared to listen you know i'm getting up every morning and taking a stiff walk i turn out at daybreak good gracious gasped tad horner how do you do it well i've got one of those electric alarm clocks and i just put it as far away from my bed as possible why is that so i won't get hold of it and smash thunder out of the thing when it gets to going you know it won't stop its racket till somebody stops it or it is run down and it takes an hour for it to run down after it starts in to ring you by jove drawled Baldwin. i hardly think i'd like to have one of those blooming things in my room i don't like to have one in my room but it is absolutely necessary that i do hartwick my roommate admires it the listeners laughed i should think he might said puss parker he's got a temper with an edge like a cold chisel oh yes he admires it i've got so i believe i should sleep right through the racket but he kicks me out of bed and howls for me to smother the thing so you see i am bound to get up at the proper time once i am out of bed i stay up the first morning after i bought the clock the thing went off just as it was beginning to break day i got up and stopped it and then went back to bed hartwick growled but we both went to sleep i've been snoozing about five minutes when the clock broke loose once more hartwick was mad you bet i opened my eyes just in time to see him sit up in bed with one of his shoes in his hand whiz before i could stop him he flung the shoe at the clock i made a wild grab just as he did so struck his arm and disconcerted his aim the shoe flew off sideways and smashed a mirror hartwick said several things then i got up and stopped the clock again i dressed and went out for my walk leaving hartwick in bed sleeping sweetly when i came back i found him about half dressed jumping wildly up and down in the middle of the bed upon which was heaped all the bedclothes all of hartwick's clothes except those that he had on all of mine except those i was wearing and as appeared he shrieked for me to tear down the window shades and pass them to him quick what's the matter i guess are you mad yes i'm mad he howled tearing his hair i am so blame mad that i don't know where i'm at what's the matter 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 hear it hear the daddly thing i was driven to the verge of insanity i tried to stop it but i couldn't find how it works and now i'm trying to stifle it hear it oh bring me a club bring me something deadly bring me a gun and i will shoot it full of holes then i found that i could hear my clock merrily rattling away under that heap of clothes it seemed to be defying hartwick or laughing at him i got him off the bed pawed around till i found the clock between the mattresses and then stopped it hartwick offered me three times what it was worth if i'd let him use his baseball bat on it i told him it seemed to be a very willing and industrious alarm clock and it was mine i warned him to injure it at his peril since then i have learned how to stop it so it will stay stopped but it barely commences to rattle at daybreak when i feel hartwick's feet strike me in the small of the back and i land sprawling on the floor that explains how i succeed in getting up at daybreak you started in to tell us what you found this morning said punch swallows to browning lighting a fresh cigarette so i did and the alarm clock ran me off the trail well i got up this morning as usual when hartwick kicked me out to stop the clock i went for my walk and crossed the campus what do you think i found a diamond ring we'll all have ale oh no tad it wasn't a diamond ring 
i noticed something stuck up on one of the trees it was a big sheet of paper and on it was skilfully lettered these words bruce browning will wear a new set of false teeth to chapel tomorrow morning browning stopped and looked around he was very proud of his even regular white teeth they were so perfect that they might have been taken for store teeth at first glance but a second look would show that they were natural the softs laughed and bruce looked indignant that caused me to look still further he went on and i soon found another sheet upon another tree this is what i read conundrum why is king brownie a great electrician because all his clothes are charged by that time i felt like murdering somebody i did take a morning walk but it was in search of more stuff of the same order i found it everywhere in the vicinity of the college and some of the stuff was simply awful it made me shudder i knew who was back of it all Merriwell put up the job but you outwitted him by getting around in time to tear everything he had put up you matched him that time by accident but i must more than match him he must be suppressed that's right that's right cried the boys in chorus i know he put the advertisement for black and white cats and yellow dogs in the papers my name was signed to it and more than two hundred black and white cats and yellow dogs were brought me by parties anxious to sell them at any price one time there were seven women with cats in my room when two men came up leading dogs the first woman had managed to get into the room and while i was arguing with her trying to convince her that i did not want her blamed old cat the others found their way in they opened on me altogether hartwick shut himself in the clothes press and i could hear him laughing and gasping for breath i was nearly crazy when the men sauntered in with the cats in tow oh say browning fell over limply in his chair as if the memory of what followed was too much for him you have had a real warm time of it grinned swallows warm warm my boy it was warm two of the women were showing me their cats the dogs saw the cats the cats saw the dogs one of the cats made a flying leap for a dog the other fled and the other dog pursued the seven women shrieked all together and the two men swore and tried to catch the dogs the other cats escaped from the baskets in which they were confined warm say the king of the sophomores mopped his face with his handkerchief he seemed on the verge of utter collapse the listening boys could not entirely restrain their laughter the picture browning presented and the incident he was relating were altogether too ludicrous talk about rackets he wearily continued we had one then and there the cats yowled and the dogs howled the women fell over each other and screamed blue murder the men chased the dogs and roared blue blazes and the wind blew hard one of the cats alighted on an old lady's head the cat's mistress grabbed her away and took her away the cat had socked her claws into the old lady's wig and it came off leaving her almost as bare as a billiard ball oh marmer two of the cats fell to tearing the fur out of each other some of them walked on the ceiling like flies in their endeavors to get away from the dogs one of them pounced on the dog's back and rode him around the room as if she were a circus performer the other dog chased a cat under the bed and they were having it there oh they didn't do a thing not a thing after a while one of the men captured one of the dogs and dragged him toward the door the other man saw him and made a rush for him drop that dog he yelled it's my dog the other man yelled back then the other man howled you're another it's my dog 
right away after that there was trouble between the owners of the dogs they tried to hurt each other and they succeeded very well one of them had both eyes blacked while the other lost two teeth had his lips split and his nose knocked out a plum but they smashed the stuffing out of the furniture while they were doing it i climbed up on something in one corner and did my best to cheer them on i sincerely hoped both would be killed the dogs seemed to feel it in their duty to enter into the spirit of the occasion and they chewed each other more or less then the police came in i came near landing in the station house along with the two men who were fighting but they concluded not to pinch me the women departed after having once more expressed their opinion all around concerning me when they were gone hartwick came out of the clothes press we sat down amid the ruins and said over some words that will not bear repetition that's the whole of the cat and dog story i've never been able to prove that merriwell put the advertisement into the paper but it is all settled in my mind it was directly after this that i went into training some of the softs laughed and some showed indignation it was a very nasty thing to do declared paulding i can't help laughing over it chuckled tad horner but of course you ought to get back at merriwell well i shall do my best i don't think you need to train to do that trick said punch swallows a man who can knock out kid lejoy ought to polish off a freshman in a minute you haven't seen merriwell fight no i have he's clever he is a corker of course i believe i can do him but i want to do him easy and that's why i'm training another party of sophomores came in it is harrison and his crowd said parker and i'm blowed if they haven't got rawl ditson with them that cat of a freshman has succeeded in getting in here again ditson hates merriwell don't you know said paul he pretends to be friendly with mary but he's ready to do him any time end of chapter ten